You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Chiefs Kingdom, welcome into another edition, the latest episode of the AP Draft Room Podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Appreciate you tuning in. I'm Ron Cop Jr., the lead analyst at ArrowheadPride.com, and only joined by half of the duo I'm usually joined by on this beautiful Sunday in Kansas City, uh, Brian Stewart, our, uh, our film guy, Arrowhead Pride, joins me today. We're talking draft. Brian, what's up today? What's, uh, how are you doing, my friend? Doing great. Um, we are, you know, having really good weather out around Missouri uh, for once. Kind of nice. crazy how it can go from snow on Thursday to <laughs> sunny and 70 today, but we, we take it on the good side of things. We're uh, used to it. We're used to it. By now, yeah. You live in here. Those who are listening know what we're talking about. But um, as far as the draft goes, we are getting so close. It's at the point where... Every time I look at the Chiefs roster, I get a little queasy, get a little nervous. There is a lot to be improved upon. Um, But those who have been listening with us, following us, know that there are some paths here in the draft to filling those holes and getting them in a better position heading into training camp. And now it's just like, it's kind of like when you were little and you had a big test or, you know, a big performance of some sort and you're nervous, but you just want to get it over with so that it's done and the progress is, is made. Yeah, That's where I'm at with the draft. So the countdown, we're under four weeks and it can't come soon enough. Yeah, no, that analogy fits really well, I think, because we've been studying. Um, we have definitely been putting in the work. I'm proud of our team here at AP. Uh, you know, hey, it's our first year covering the draft as a team. You know, Airhead Pride has had great draft coverage in the past, but it's a new era. And, you know, it's tough, man. It, it, you know, transitioning from from covering the team through the season to – covering the draft so it definitely feels like we've been studying the big test is coming and you're right you know we're less than four weeks away i'm excited for it at the same time me being a draft nerd i just want to get eyes on every single prospect so i want as much time as possible to do that it's not going to happen obviously but uh as you will hear today on the show we've been we've been putting in the work and we will uh you know i'm finalizing some prospect rankings today so we'll get into that but also, I want to plug real quick. We got some great draft prof- profiles coming out. I mentioned my team, uh, our team, I should say. Uh, Jared Sapp doing a, a Marcus Jones profile coming up. Rocky doing a Cameron Thomas profile. Christian's got a Kyler Gordon preview coming up. Brian, you have a boy, a Mafe article coming up soon this week. And I will have Kyrie Elam reviewed too. And actually, I, I didn't mention Talon, our guy, uh, missing today, as, as you as you guys know. I didn't even need to say it, but uh town we hope you're doing well my guy uh he's got a Devonte wyatt one coming out too so we're stacked here at airheadpride.com what we got going on but brian we're gonna get into the show today real quick i think this might be a cool way to to, to get into the show as always kind of get us loose and going on our conversation 
maybe just a, a few questions, just, you know, not the most basic questions, just something to really kind of think about for a second. I'm going to throw it to you real here, re- right quick here, because in our Slack group chat, Jared, I just mentioned, uh, he, he kind of mentioned, you know, a position that uh, potentially wouldn't really make sense for the Chiefs to, to plug in uh, to make a draft pick this year. And it did make me think like, yeah, you're right. And then I want to have a conversation about it maybe. So I'll let you kind of lead that. Uh, any position you really don't want to see the Chiefs spend draft capital on, I got a position, but uh, kind of talk about which position that Jared mentioned in our group chat. 100%. It is the interior of the offensive line, the position that Brett Veach, the front office staff with Kansas City, Andy Reid, because we know that he has a major influence on these decisions. They, they poured into that offensive line last year. It's been well documented, but the reason why – they don't need to be investing any sort of draft capital really in it um, besides maybe a, a throwaway seventh round pick Yeah, is they hit on their investments last year in the, the best possible way. It went better than I think anyone could have dreamed Joe Tooney's contract, you know, say what you will about it. The, you know, is it warranted for his position? We, we can go on about that for forever, but his performance last year was awesome. He was a all pro caliber guard. Um, and he is under contract for four more years with the restructure he just did. At least three of those years are going to pretty much happen. So, so you're talking about him being locked in uh, through the 2024 season. Then you look at Creed Humphrey, arguably the best center in the entire NFL, his rookie year. He's locked in for the next three seasons, uh, you know, barring anything catastrophic. And same thing with Trey Smith, who – it was incredible in his rookie year as well and kind of gets forgotten about a little bit more because of Creed, I think, but he was great too. He was maybe the best guard in the class taken in the sixth round uh, as yeah. a rookie. So three guys who are for sure going to start for the next three seasons, barring something totally crazy, you know, knock on wood type stuff. Right. If you already have your starters solidified like that, Allegretti is here as depth. We know he can play any of those spots. Wiley could slide in in a pinch. Um, they brought Austin Ryder back. He, he can be a center. Started for him in the Super Bowl uh, for two straight years. They're solid there. There's uh, really no situation, especially fifth round or higher, where drafting on the interior makes any sort of sense, in my opinion. Well, and that's the other point, too, is just that the Chiefs have shown, and I think it's just a general NFL thing, that interior offensive line play, it is one of those positions that you can kind of, you know, develop from an undrafted free agent. You know, you can kind of feel a little better about developing a guard or a center um, because of just the natu- nature of their position. You know, they're they're not offensive tackles out on an island. You know, they're kind of dependent on players around them. So you can kind of and the Chiefs have done it. I mean, they've developed an LDT. They've developed, uh, you know, an Andrew Wiley was a seventh-round pick. Austin Ryder was a seventh-round pick, and they've, and they've been able to give him starting snaps. So I think that's the other part of that, too. Why give, you know, why spend the draft capital on it if you're only getting depth play when you can build that, you know, from the from that kind of position? It's, it's a spot that as long as you marry up the offensive scheme with the players you're using, you're, you're going to be okay. And – I say that as someone who who kind of understood, uh, signed off on Joe Tooney coming in, mostly because I just felt like that room needed the veteran to kind of lead things along. But yeah, if you're just talking about the the play on the field, if you have guys who can do the job that you're asking them to do, you know, so some linemen are really poor 
at zone blocking, but they, you know, they can move bodies and, and do well in a gap scheme and, and vice versa. Now the three guys we're talking about here, they can do just about anything. So it doesn't really matter, but um, kind of building on your point there. I think that's the important thing. Make sure that you're doing things that fit what they have in their, in their skill set. Well, and, and that's the other thing. Andy Reid's always been a, a zone heavy running scheme and zone blocking. You know, you definitely can get away with not having as talented of linemen or as big of linemen, I should say, maybe um, you can get away with it a little more in that scheme. But if they're going to follow what we kind of hope they do, maybe do a little more downhill, a little more uh, down blocking uh, run schemes. Yeah, you, you can't hide it as much. You need guys that can plow guys over and they have the starters to do that. So they're definitely set there. I do want to say, though, real quick. You know, I, I will say running back is something I don't really want to see a draft pick on. Not even that I'm against like picking a running back at in any situation. It's more just that I don't want to see them spend a top four round pick on it. And that's the only draft ammunition they have right now. And I feel like they're going to use those seventh round picks to move up in spots or just they're not even going to maybe use them in general. And if they do, maybe they're just using it on a, you know, to secure a priority for uh, undrafted free agent, which I guess could be a running back, which I, you know, I wouldn't cringe over or anything but all that to say i just don't want to see too high of investment running back because running back's that position that when you need it you draft it that year it's not a position you really draft like for the future like oh okay we have a need for it in a year or two let's draft it now and have him ready no when you need a running back you draft it then and i think the chiefs are set at running back for 2022 um they have Derek gore and ronald jones behind clyde edwards Hilaire. so i think i don't want to see running back what do you think i have i have a very light theory on like Ronald Jones. Okay. I think we kind of agree. And if, if people have read like the article that Talon posted uh, just over a week ago uh, about Ronald Jones and what he did film wise, he's almost like a very generic version of Kareem Hunt in that he can break tackles and kind of like be just really tough running the ball take advantage maybe of lighter boxes if they are going to see those. And even though he doesn't offer near what, what, what hunt did as a receiver. Um, I wonder if that maybe was the thinking because, because we spent so much time last year talking about, Hey, they, they need a running back who can hit a home run. They need a running back who can punish light boxes. And I think he can do that. And I don't want to take anything away from Clyde either who, when he was at his healthiest at the end of the season, looked his best. The yep. problem with him is, is he ever going to stay healthy? I don't know. But the last version of Clyde we saw was was the best 2021 version we saw. So I still have hope for him too and all that mixed together. And you realize, yeah, they, they need to be throwing numbers at the position and not um, investing anything of major consequence draft pick wise. Uh, if you want to bring back McKinnon, do it. If you, if you want to bring back yes. Daryl Williams, do it. Um, and maybe it's a good idea. And you said Gore as well. They, they don't need to uh, press that up too high on their list of needs. There's much else uh, that should be prioritized. That's the point right there that I wanted to get to is that when you have all these other holes that we've all been talking about all off season, we want to see them pick, you know, even auxiliary positions like the linebacker or even an offensive tackle at some point. You know, running back just doesn't fit into that. And we all also agree that they're not going to use all eight of those top four round picks. If they even have less than eight, it definitely shouldn't be running back with one of those. So that's my main point. It's not it's not about, you know, being totally against running backs. It's more just what situation the Chiefs are in right now. And, yeah, I, I'm confident in Clyde that he can still be a productive back. I think you're 100 percent right. It's the health thing that that's really been a, a problem. And so 
I think, you know, if Clyde is healthy and you have a Ronald Jones and Derek Gore and you maybe sign a, a free agent, like just just go with that room. And then if next offseason you feel like you need to, you know, address the running back position, you know, I'd be a little more comfortable with it then. But let's move on real quick to another position kind of in the same realm or another question, I should say, in the same realm. Well, there be a position and I'm talking specifically the first three rounds about day one, day two. But would there be a position that just no, over all the other positions you would be the most mad about? not spending a pick on on day one or two. I will say, I think edge is the obvious answer here, but I think the reason we want to talk about this is is we got a little, uh, you know, uh, Willie Gay playing GM, right, Brian? I want you to, to hit on that. What's going on with that? Uh, Willie, just yesterday, we're recording this on Sunday, he put a tweet out. For those who are on Twitter, you already might know, and if you're not, you're just going to hear about this, but he tweeted more or less saying, who are some cornerbacks in the first to third round range that he should be looking at or thinking about who the chiefs might, might pick up because um, it kind of, I get the sense maybe he's heard some things within the building that that's a position they're targeting in the first two days. Why do I think that? Well, if you turn back (laughs) a year ago, it was the night of the second round of the draft, just a little bit before the chiefs took Nick Bolton, he gets on Twitter and he, basically predicts the pick. He says, uh, Nick Bolton, I, I feel it. Um, that tells me, and maybe maybe this isn't the same situation, but he at least once before had information about somebody the Chiefs really liked. And now yesterday he's going on and saying, this is a position that I expect us to be looking at in the first two days. So, uh, And how could they not be right now? Yeah, the rumors are out there about Gilmore and James Bradbury, but until one of those players is on the roster, really, even if they are, because we're talking about older corners, uh, they have to get younger, long-term bodies there. They don't have – I mean, they have a hole where Charvarius Ward's left right now. They don't have someone ready to step into it. We're not counting on DeAndre Baker um, to to do that. So that's a a position that – as things currently stand, they have to pick in the first three rounds. And I think Willie Gay might have told us to go ahead and expect that. How specific is that, too? Him saying, you know, first three rounds, you know, like not even just saying a cornerback and not even being like, oh, you know, my guy Martin Emerson at Mississippi State, which, you know, is a guy day two. That would that would make sense. I like him. Um, but, you know, his former guy. But uh, no, that is funny. I totally forgot about that until you mentioned it uh, pre-show about last year's uh, tweet. But you're right. He called it. Uh, it was the same day, but he definitely called it, um, which I got to imagine the Chiefs are kind of salty about that. Like they got to be doing something about that. They don't want their information out there like that. They got to be getting with the young players saying, hey, you know, maybe just lay off Twitter for the draft process. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That was funny he's, to me. He's got too much energy. We see it on the field. Willie's got to put that energy somewhere. And that's true. He's in it's it's Twitter. That's hilarious. Okay. Well, I think though, you know, I think we would both agree though. I think corner, I, I like the argument for corner. It, it's a little unprecedented just because of Brett Veach's history. He's always patched it up with either one year deals or just later round picks, even though they turned into Legere and Rashad Fenton, but you're right. Fenton's on the last year of his deal too. Uh, you know, his rookie deal. And you know, he might have the same Trevor. He might have a Traverius Ward type of season where all of a sudden he plays well enough because I think he will be the starting corner, I you know I imagine, unless they pick someone super high. Um, he might have a good enough season to get paid next offseason. So, um, so yeah, cornerback, I really like that. I will say, though, I, I think the if they don't take an edge in the first two days, 
I mean, I don't know. We could still see something happen in free agency, although it seems like now you can't really get anyone besides just one-year vets that aren't going to give you much. They need to pick uh, uh, an edge very high, a defensive end very high, at least a defensive lineman. If they don't address the defensive line at all in the first couple of days, uh, that, that's, not, that's no good. That's no bueno. Uh, would you agree with that? Or, I don't know, is receiver – would receiver be in that conversation? What do you think? No, both. Both are in that um, same space right now. And believe it or not, if, if we're looking at who is, is signed up now – not just going to assume that Melvin Ingram is in the fold, even though if you made me bet, I, I kind of think he is. But um, I actually think receiver would fall underneath edge and corner because they do have the receivers on the roster who can start right now. But as we kind of ha- have spoken on, they have holes in the starting lineup at edge and corner right now. And, and so until you have that fixed, you, you, you've got problems on your hands. The AFC, the offenses, they're too strong to have – you know, major weak links at critical positions such as that. So there's no doubt that edges is, is very much there in the first, I would say 29 and 30 and 50. Like it's got to be, it, it really needs to be first round, but no later than that pick 50. Can they really avoid taking a defensive end? I totally agree. No, I, I really think they need to, even if it isn't Ojabo that doesn't start right away, at least you're, you have a plan for the future. Cause you know, even their future plans on the roster currently are just projects or just guys that, you know, Joshua Kando, like we don't know anything about him. Um, Mike Dana, we, we do know stuff, something about him, but we know it's probably never going to turn into, you know, uh, more than just a a really solid rotational player. So it is interesting. Uh, We will see what they do with that. Like I said, we might see a veteran or something signed before the draft. Uh, It'd be smart on their part to, to just fill the room with another body. I do want to shout out, though, Malik Herring. Uh, he was injured at the Senior Bowl a year ago, picked him up undrafted free agency, spent the entire year you know, on IR. But I do think he's a guy that could get in there and, and give you a little juice as a depth rotational piece, inside or outside. He's kind of that, that he kind of could maybe be a penetrating three-tech um, in certain situations. So I'm excited to see if, if he kind of turns into something. I think the Chiefs have kind of had success with, uh, you know, like a, a Tim Ward or a – I mean, you know, to an extent, Tim Ward or Darius Harris where – they're guys they picked up in undrafted free agency were hurt and then eventually contributed in some fashion. I guess those guys didn't really do much for the team, but uh, I think Heron could. I don't know. Do you have any takes on Heron? Yeah, it sounds crazy probably to to most, but players like him becoming something, you know, Kando too becoming something and and being impactful in a good way, that can be the difference in losing in the divisional round and getting oh, yeah. because. Yeah. He could be, we always say, you need, like, I say we. I mean, NFL teams, they want as many pass rushers as they can get. And when you have three guys who can rush the passer versus two or five versus three, like, everybody makes a huge difference in a a sport where injuries happen all the time. And so um, if Malik Herring does become a a dude – you can't count on it, but like if it happens, it's going to be a huge deal uh, for the Chiefs. Yeah, no, exactly. And and I like taking those lottery picks because he's probably a guy that would have gotten taken in the draft, uh, you know, maybe not very high, but mid rounds. Um, like I said, he's kind of that tweener that just has a little juice to him. But, you know, obviously you're not expecting ever, anyone to become a full time player in that situation, but just someone that can contribute. And so I do like that way they have him on the roster. But again, they need to address it. They will absolutely do that in the draft. There's no doubt about it. It's just a matter of when. 
but let's move on here a little bit. Um, you know, we got we got a few more things lined up for you guys, but right now I want to I want to get Brian's takes on my finalized wide receiver position rankings. This is the one position at this point in the draft process I'm completely comfortable with. I have a top 20 and and I really have watched all these guys. I really do feel good about my judgment of them compared to the rest of the class. Um, I think I'm going to try to do this each show with a, a different position, especially a position that the you know Chiefs fans care about. I don't think anyone cares about my quarterback rankings, and I don't care about my quarterback rankings. So receiver is where we're going to start. And Brian, I just you know I I think you you know I don't know if our rankings are, are similar or not. So let's start with the top five. Let's start with the top tier. I, I have Garrett Wilson as my number one wide receiver. Drake London as my second wide receiver. Jamison Williams, number three. Chris Olave slides in at number four. Now, he's a guy that I kind of moved up my board a little bit as the process went along. And Traylon Burks is number five. Now, I don't know if this is a hot take, but honestly, my first tier is that top three. And so Olave and Burks would not be in my first tier. What do you think about that? What is, you know, what is your top tier receiver in this class? Who do you like as, as really the guys that you feel the most confident in? I am personally guilty of probably being a little too lenient towards like if I think the Chiefs really might draft this player and I think he really fits what they need, I I value them a little more. And that's not really – I mean, that's fair if we're making the Chiefs board, but it's not really fair from the the broad picture, hey, how good is this player? So the guy who would be number one for me is – Jamison Williams, who I I put the draft profile on last week, um, because I think injury and all, um, he is the best fit and combo talent. Uh, You know, he's got the best talent uh, combined with the fit for the Chiefs as a potential Z wide receiver. I've talked about that one ad nauseum, but I I don't expect him to be Tyree Kill, but I think he can simulate some of those things and and. You know, the weird thing about him, I think that sells me most is the history as a gunner. Cause that tells me that he's not a diva. Like he's not someone yeah. you worry about coming in and, and not working and just kind of relying on, hey, I'm just I'm just faster than everybody, or you know, things of that nature. The fact that he has a history as being a, a really strong physical gunner on special teams at Alabama last year, just that's like kind of not all you need to know but it's the icing on the cake and, and it gives me the number one spot for him i love i love that detail you're 100 right and and the chiefs are going to value a guy like that that just you know he's going to do whatever it takes to win and and that's why he probably excelled at alabama and and where he got to where he was for anyone who doesn't know he was an ohio state receiver didn't see the field enough transferred to alabama and became probably the best receiver in college football last year i think product productivity wise i think people you know i think that's a foregone conclusion whether he's the best receiver prospect, I, I really just, you know, it's about it's about comfort with me. And I think Garrett Wilson and Drake London, I just really see how they project to the NFL, how they succeed in the NFL. Jameis Williams, I do too, and that's why he's in that first tier to me. But I just I just feel a little slightly more comfortable with with what Garrett Wilson and Drake London are going to do in the NFL. But yeah, that those top three a tier of mine. My next tier, I said Olave and Burks are my next two guys. But I'm gonna throw Pickens in that tier as well. So that's another that's another uh, set of three in a tier. I think Olave, Burks, and Pickens are are, are premier talents. I, I really Olave kind of grew on me as the process went along. I think at first I kind of generalized them a little too much as just that hey you know a Z guy that's gonna you know run a pretty post route and and, and burn a guy. No, that's not all he is. You know he's a very good route runner at all at all uh, parts of the field. Very good and yeah at yak too. And I do think he's a guy that's. If, if anyone, I think he is a guy that probably is the safest pick to 
depending on, you know, I think because where he's going to go and, and, you know, I don't think he's going to go super high. He's going to go to a pretty good offense. I think, you know, depending on where he goes, obviously, but if he goes to a good offense, he's going to contribute our way. He might be the most productive rookie receiver out of the bunch, just because I feel like he is a very polished route runner. Um, you could definitely see him succeeding in the NFL. So that's my next three tier. And then real quick, kind of like the next tier of, you know, late first round guys. I see the chiefs. Uh, Cause I, that's the thing. These three guys I just mentioned, I don't know if the chiefs will have, they might have to trade up for all three of those guys. I don't know if they'll have to trade up for these guys. My next tier, which is Jahan Dotson, Sky Moore, Christian Watson, and John Mechie to round off my top 10. I think Mechie is getting slept on in this, by the way. I think he's a guy that the Chiefs, like, I feel like no one's talking about him anymore. We don't see him in mock drafts anymore. Not in the first round, I don't think. And I don't think we need to pick him in the first round. But Mechie is somebody that I really want to make sure we, we kind of pay attention to because the Chiefs get him. I think he really fits what they could use right now uh, in the receiving core. And yeah, he tore his ACL late in the, in the college season, but that's only going to help them get a good value because I think he was one of the best receivers. And I think Alabama's track record tells you all you need to know about, uh, you know, picking a receiver there. So uh, let me repeat that real quick. Olave, Burks, Pickens, Dotson, Moore, Watson, and Mechie as my top 10. And we'll get into more of a Brian real quick. Any takes on, on Mechie or just any of the top 10? No, you're absolutely on point with Mechie. He's getting a little bit slept on. And um, if you said, hey, in a few weeks, the Chiefs are going to come out of the draft with a combination of uh, Christian Watson and John Mechie after the first three rounds, I would say, yeah, sign me up. Because if you're saying, okay, you're betting on one of those guys to hit. If both do, awesome. Yeah, that's great. But at least one of those guys is probably going to become – a legitimate, you know, number two at worst, maybe even a number one type of target. And if, and like I said, if they both hit, well, now we're set for the next four years at wideout. Um, and then you factor in, of course, what might happen with Marquez Valdez Scantling, or do they bring Juju back for a long term contract? I think mean, these are things that'll be answered in the future. But um, I think doubling up at wideout this year makes a ton of sense. And Mechie being the second guy would be absolutely awesome. Uh, but that name I just said before, Christian Watson, you have him at nine, Ron. Um, I I have some concerns as far as, yeah, he played FCS-level football in North Dakota State, but I see his, his tape, his traits, and he checks so many boxes of what a number one type of guy could be that I, I think I would have him a little bit higher. Yeah, um, I, th- I think he's position versatile as far as he could be the Z, he could be the X. Um, he can place, you know, slot a little bit if, if they asked him to do that. And I also love that, yes, he did play at that, that lower level of competition, but then he went to the senior bowl and was a standout amongst other draft eligible players. So, you know, it, it's a situation where if he doesn't work out, it's going to be because, Probably like a, a hands issue, maybe routes, um, but I, I think they could make it work with him. I think he could be maybe in that top five, honestly, for me. Um, I, I might have him crack in the end of the top five. Wouldn't be mad if they took him at all. Same thing with Jahan Dotson. Dotson would, would make my top five, and I would reiterate, I'm a little biased towards players who I think really fit what the Chiefs need. And to me, he is a, like, Andy Reid wide receiver prototype. You know, he, he reminds me of some guys who Andy's worked with in the past, but in this class where there are 
players who are similarly sized, but maybe a little faster, um, a little bit taller. I think he's kind of being swept under the rug a little bit, but when you watch him play, he's just a baller. Like he gets open. He, he does run great routes. He catches balls that really you would say somebody of that size doesn't have any business coming down with. Yep. Um, so he's another one, you know, but yeah, I would probably bump up just a smidge, but Hey man, we're talking about this. And, and again, the, the takeaway is a lot of great options and the chiefs coming away with one at least. And, and really two, I'm not going to be upset if that's the case. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really glad you actually pointed that out because I think the Watson where he lands in my rankings really is a testament to how good this receiver class is and how good I feel about it. Because I really do like Watson. I agree with everything you said. And you, you, you took the Dotson conversation right out of my mouth because he's a guy that I really think is getting way too slept on as well. I see people, you know, some people on Chiefs Twitter just kind of almost like blah when they think when they see a, a mock draft with Dotson or kind of just, you know, not being very impressed with that pick. Man, I, I totally agree with you. I actually, uh, Mike Tannenbaum, um, G, a former GM, he did his own mock draft. And I listened to a podcast he did and kind of described the Dotson pick. And he compared Jahan Dotson to Marvin Harrison, which, you know, is a little crazy. But I, you know, you kind of do see what he's talking about play style wise and what he can be and kind of the smaller, not the biggest dude, but just creates so much separation with his route running is faster than you'd think. I think some people don't look at Dotson as a burner, but he can burn you, man. He's got a very fast, he's, he's a very fast player. So I don't have him over Pickens and Burks, man. That's just me. I, I can't. I, I, I fall in love with these bigger dudes that can that can move at their size, right? And I know Burks isn't maybe as impressive as as some people thought, but at the same time, for his size, he is still a very impressive mover. Still a guy that I definitely want to have in my offense and be a playmaker. But yeah, I, I really like Dawson. He, he'd be someone I'm happy with um, at 29 or 30. But I do want to touch on real quick Sky Moore too. I, 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 I Sky Moore is a guy that I when I first kind of saw him, I I didn't know if I should buy into the hype. Kind of a smaller-bodied guy. Um, did it at a small school, obviously, at Western Michigan. Not a small school, but just a smaller level of competition. But, man, I you know, I really dug into the studying this weekend. He was one of the last receivers I hadn't really looked into that hard. All these other guys I had already done pretty hard projection on. But, man, I don't know. I, I really do. I can really see why people are excited about him. I can see the the burst he has out of his breaks. Just the tech. He is a very technical route runner. You can tell just, you know, he, he kind of times up his, his, his breaks to really, you know, get separation, you know, to, to maximize separation, has the speed. He's a former quarterback. So I do think you can kind of see how he kind of understands. You can kind of see the field a little, you know, a little better maybe than the average receiver. And I think that really comes into, uh, you know, play when you're talking about a Chiefs receiver and Andy Reid system. You want a guy that understands the entirety, the big picture of the offense, not just you know, what his position is, what his role is. So all that to say, all that to say, I thought Sky Moore, he wasn't in my initial top 10 uh, when I first posted an article on the site a month or two ago, but he has earned his way in there. And I just, that teensy little thing just made me put him above Watson. Um, just, I think there's just a little more where I, I could just see him projecting into the NFL, into the Chiefs offense, just a little better than Christian Watson. Just, man, the North Dakota State stuff is, t- is tough. And, you know, you'd like to see him at a, a higher competition, but. We will see him this year. Uh, I, we're, we'll keep it at the top 10 because I want to get into what we got uh, on the other side of this break. So let's start the break here, Brian, real quick. And then on the other side, we got something excited for you. Stay tuned and uh, we will get into it. You ready? Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, we are back in on the AP Draft Room podcast. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening previewing the 2022 NFL draft from a chief's perspective as always, but you know, we want to, we're draft people. We just want to have our our horizons broadened a little bit and look at the entire NFL for a second. And it'll be fun. And me and Brian right here are about to go through one through 32, do a quick first round mock draft, kind of see how the board falls out. Maybe talk through some potential trade up options, depending on how the board falls uh, for the chiefs. And then obviously we will end with picking the chiefs first round picks. Always fun to do mock drafts, Brian. You excited for this one today? Absolutely. This is the first time doing one this year where I'm kind of like working with another person. Uh, so it should be a blast. And my favorite thing about it's not just about the Chiefs, right? It's putting yourself in that chair. Okay. If I was the final decision maker for the New York Jets, you know, what am I going to do with these picks and factor in the information that we already have about? You know, what this team tried to do in free agency, what they did do in free agency. Uh, do they want to really load up for this year? Or is it all about the next three or five years, depending on job security, things like that? Um, doing these, is it gets you ready for the, the real thing, gives you an idea of, of how things might fall. But, of course, there's always going to be some, you know, off-the-wall surprises. So, uh, yeah, man, should be a, a great time here. And uh, appreciate the listeners for following us along. Yeah, let's go pretty quick through this because, you know, I know as Chiefs fans, not everyone is super interested in the top 10 of the draft because the Chiefs probably, although never say never, but probably will not be drafting there. But let's start here. I'm going to go first pick. I was, I was, uh, me and Talent actually did this a, a few weeks ago and I was the second pick then. So I'll switch it up. I'll let Brian get the, the evens in this draft. But with the first pick, and this is predictive, as you mentioned, you know, we're trying to, you know, just take the information we have. Uh, you know, looking at mock drafts, everyone's reading the mock drafts and it's become pretty obvious that the Jaguars are fixated on Aiden Hutchinson, the edge from Michigan. Um, it, you know, I think the offensive tackle pick was important at first, maybe for them. I guess it sounds like that they'd rather value edge and that they've shored up their offensive tackle position um, to not take one first overall. So there we go. Michigan edge, Aiden Hutchinson, who you got for number two? Number two, uh, the Detroit lions, the dominant historically great lions. They they have a lot of holes, but uh, I don't think this is the year they go quarterback. I think they're going to wait on that, roll with Goff while he has to be on the roster. And so we're going to go defensive line, uh, get them also stronger in the trenches than than what they have been. And the pick is going to be uh, Trevon Walker out of Georgia. He is kind of a one who's, who's climbing up boards a little bit, starting to make noise in the top five. I think Detroit might be the one who actually rolls the dice. 
Yeah, you're right. No, he definitely is. He, he's skyrocketed. I think guys like Jeremiah and Dan Brugler were high on him at first. And I think the rest of the community has understood why they were. So I like that pick. Number three, the Houston Texans here. I think they're a popular team to just take whichever best player available is there. They don't really have a position need in mind. And so that's why I think the Texans might want to just address the edge position you know, get somebody in there that's a super talented, just kind of, you know, uh, kind of develop your defensive line again after missing some, you know, missing out on JJ Watt, you know, leaving Kayvon Thibodeau going Kayvon Thibodeau here. I know it sounds like he's slipping a little bit, but at the same time, you know, it only takes one team to just say, you know what, he's a talented dude. Let's just take him. So Kayvon Thibodeau. Thibodeau, uh, be a great pick for them. I, I think teams letting him fall too far to be a mistake. Now we're going to the Jets. First pick um, in the top 10 for them. At number four, there are wide receivers I think they really want, and we'll probably get to that at pick 10, but they're not going to reach just yet. And they have plenty of other holes to fill, and they're going to go with offensive tackle and Iki Aquanu. Yep. Some would say the best player in this draft class. Um, you know, it kind of depends on your flavor. What do you want? A little more refined in the run game than a lot of top tackles are these days in the draft. So they're going to sign up uh, Iki Aquanu. And now they're going to have both bookends uh, solidified on their offensive line. And, and the offensive line as a whole there will be looking pretty good after that pick for uh, Zach Wilson in year two. Yeah, Aquanu is definitely, uh, you know, Evan Neal seemed to be the consensus best offensive lineman. But Aquanu has definitely feel, has felt like he's taken over that role, uh, national consensus. I still think I like Neal a little better, honestly. I'm not going to lie. Um, I think yeah. I would rank Neal higher. Um, so speaking of that, I think the Giants are on the board here. And, you know, it, it's tempting. They have two picks in the first uh, seven picks, so they'll have back-to-back – or not back-to-back picks, but, you know, two picks, you know, highly right here. I think they know the Panthers are on, in on this offensive tackle class. I think they just want to secure their guy here. So they go Evan Neal. Get Evan Neal. You know, they've invested in offensive tackle recently in the draft, but you can never have enough guys, and they could definitely use another, you know, another guy there at right tackle. I think Andrew Thomas is their left tackle, or is it reversed? Either way, take Evan Neal. Your line just got better. Absolutely. Um, great pick. So we're moving to Carolina. This is where things are going to get kind of weird. Um, not not surprising, but a little weird. And we're going to dip into the quarterback pool. Their owner, David Tepper, ever since he bought the team a few years back, he has been just super aggressive about improving his team. He makes it very clear that, hey, if we don't have a, a top quarterback, we're just not going to compete for Super Bowls. And that's what they're trying to do. Um, but in this case, I think he's kind of desperate and he doesn't want to go through another year. Um, uh, you know, their head coach, Matt rule as well. They don't want to go through another year with Sam Darnold starting. So they're going to go ahead and roll the dice on Malik Willis at a Liberty, the quarterback who has the most physical upside. Um, is he going to be ready to play day one and probably not. Does that mean they're going to do it? I think they probably will play him from the start, but I do see Carolina going quarterback one way or the other in the first round. Yeah, no, I, I think I think the thing with Malik Willis um, and the Carolina fit is that if you're Carolina, you can get away with kind of saying, OK, now you need to give us this time to see this dude develop. And so you maybe buy yourself, you know, a, a few more years as a GM, as a regime, you know, without getting fired. But uh, it has not gone well there so far. Um, but number seven, the Giants here, their second first round pick, you know, Kyle Hamilton's still on the board. But I think they're going to go another defensive back here, and I'm going to go Sauce Gardner. It seems like he has really become the CB1 nationally. Um, I have Stingley rated higher, although I, I will admit it's not a position I've 
really studied super hard because the Chiefs will not be picking any of these guys, unfortunately, as cool as it would be. But uh, Sauce Gardner, I do think uh, teams are coveting him, and he's going to be the first corner off the board. So Giants uh, improve their secondary there. Absolutely. Another good one. Um, now we're transitioning into Atlanta Falcons, pick number eight. They just traded their quarterback away to take on the largest cap hit for a player who – a dead cap hit, a player not on the roster of the history of the NFL. So not great there. We already know what happened at the wide receiver position with suspension to um, Calvin Ridley. Yep. So they can go a lot of different directions, but I'm going to have them taking – what I think is one of the better edge prospects in the draft, and that's Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State, an area that they can really improve upon. Um, you know, he's got a little history in that state. You know, he spent the beginning of his college career on the Georgia Bulldogs before transferring to Florida State, and I think he makes them better uh, along the defensive line for at least the next five years and, and probably longer. Jermaine, those who've been listening to this show know one of my favorites in the class. I wish he would last longer, but here he goes to Atlanta. See, yeah, I, I think Jermaine Johnson's that guy. I mentioned it actually. I was on with Jay Binkley at six ten. He's that guy that if he does fall, he's he's the one guy I could see maybe falling out of the top tier of edge rushers into like maybe the fifteen ish pick. Maybe it's hopeful. It really is hoping. But if that happens, I think the Chiefs would be justified in moving up whatever it takes to get him if he falls in that range. So he's a guy I'm kind of interested to see how you know where he goes in the draft. Obviously. Seattle's at number nine. They traded uh, with Denver, obviously. Denver had this original pick. Seattle's just got so many. I think they're kind of low-key in a rebuild. They're maybe rebuilding on the fly a little bit. And I think one way they can uh, help, you know, whichever quarterback gets there is drafting an offensive lineman. I think Charles Cross here just gives you pass protection as a left tackle. Um, I think he's a high floor kind of left tackle. He may not be, doesn't have the build to really be a, you know, maybe a dominating guy, you know, but I think he's definitely a guy that's going to be really good in pass protection and you know, protect the blind side of Drew Locke, maybe. Uh, hopefully not if you're a Seahawks fan, right? Yeah, they, they there's another one. Could go quarterback. We'll, we'll be watching. Yeah. Um, yeah. I could also see them. If Willis is there, I think that'd be the pick maybe. But I otherwise, I think they might wait till round two. Uh, so we're now we're at the Jets again. That, that happened fast. Pick 10. They're up. And I'm going to go with maybe the biggest surprise so far. Who was the other team outside of the Miami Dolphins trying to trade for Tyree Kill? It was the New York Jets. And I think what they're going to do here is get some comfort with Jamison Williams and where his medical situation is. And they're going to say, okay, we have a chance to add a, a elite level deep threat for our young quarterback who can blow the top off of defenses. Um, and they're going to swing on Jamison Williams at pick 10, ACL and all hoping, counting on him to be ready by the time the regular season starts. And like I said, to be the difference-making, game-breaking type of receiver that Zach Wilson needs to reach whatever his ceiling might end up being. Yeah, we wouldn't have done this mock draft justification if we wouldn't have given the Jets a receiver with one of their first picks. Because I think if you listen to Jets beat writers or just uh, you know uh, guys following the draft from the Jets' perspective, it's very apparent, very obvious that the reason they were in on Tyreek Kill is because they just want to get a, a top receiver for Zach Wilson. And so it, even if, you know, obviously these guys aren't going to be on Tyreek's level, there's still wide receiver one potential. And in, in, in that top three tier we talked about earlier, I think Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, or Drake London, all three of them are potential options for the Jets. Jamison Williams goes number 10. Washington commanders up at number 11. Still really weird to say. 
Um, you know, they have a di- bunch of different directions they could go here. I know people talk about them potentially picking quarterback. You know, I, I, I don't want to go with that there here just because I think Washington has other holes they can address. And, you know, they have Carson Wentz now. Just see how that goes. He might as well uh, surround him with as much talent as possible. So with that said, I think this is where another receiver could go off the board. And I'm going to go with my guy, Garrett Wilson. I think they double up at receiver, give him in terms of, you know, they have Trey, Terry McLaurin right now. Give Carson Wentz no excuses. Um, if he's if they don't win with that or if their offense isn't good, it's because of him. It's not because of who they surrounded him with. Yeah, Garrett Wilson is uh, maybe, you know, like like for you, Ron, he's a top receiver on your board. I'm sure a lot of teams, what, what we're kind of hearing, seeing leak out, seems like, okay, if you're one of those people who's thinking he's going to go late in the first round, it's time to go ahead and transition your thinking. He's going to go high, so I like that fit. Now we're at pick 12, Minnesota Vikings. They have a new front office, a new general manager. So hard to really know like what positions they're going to value the most. But uh, I'm going to go actually with Jordan Davis, uh, the defensive oh, yeah. tackle uh, who, who tore the combine up. And this just being one of those picks where he can fit on just about any team if you want to spin it because he's going to change the math. For, for your team. Um, he's going to make your run defense, you know, work with six, seven guys in the box tops. And so uh, I think they're going to roll the dice on that and try to get the next Don Terry Poe, uh, if not something better with Jordan Davis in Minnesota. Yeah. I think, again, I think we're having, we're, we're, we're getting pretty close to accuracy when it comes to Jordan Davis. I mean, he ha- doesn't have that combine and not go very high in the draft. The NFL, NFL teams just operate that way. They see freak of athletes like that. And Dante Poe went what 11 or 10, I think. Uh, I, I believe it was actually this, yeah, maybe even 12. So maybe 12. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's a good comparison and a, a good example. Now, here at 13, the Texans are in a dream scenario. I think uh, the guy I'm going to have them pick is someone they probably thought they might have at three. Kyle Hamilton slips all the way to 13, which I do think is a little realistic with what we've heard. Apparently, he's just not tested well. Um, and and if you're not going to be testing well, the whole reason everyone was excited about him is because he moved super well at 6'4", 220 or whatever. If he's not moving well, then all of a sudden, he's not someone that people may be as excited about. So, But at the same time, I'm, I, I think he's a really good player. And, and the Texans just really just absolutely loaded their defense, getting Thibodeau and Hamilton with their first couple picks. So, Hamilton... Hey. A little bit of a seamless fill-in for Justin Reed, the Chiefs' new signing at safety. A little bit, a little bit, yeah. Have him cross over. Okay, now we're at Baltimore, pick 14, a team who does have a steady front office. We kind of know, okay, they really value these types of spots. And you're looking at this board now. I think this is where they go ahead and pick up uh, Derek Stingley Jr., the cornerback, who um, he's got some questions about his last two years. I mean, for me, I think he just – kind of after that first freshman season where he was elite, I think he was just kind of ready to move on as bad as that might sound. You know, he probably read the the headlines a little bit, the press clippings, the Ravens, they're going to go ahead and sign him up and, and solidify their back end. Cause we know historically they like to be aggressive on defense and play that man to man coverage. Yep. I like it. That makes sense to me. Uh, pick 15, the Eagles, we're going to address their secondary. I think they're always looking for, for better players in the at the cornerback position. Trent McDuffie, the Washington corner, goes off here. Um, I definitely think he's going to be a, a lock uh, for the top of the first round, uh, You know, maybe in the first 15. This is where he goes here. But they have back-to-back picks, Brian. So who do you think they have going with the next pick, picking off of McDuffie? 
Oh yeah. Um, they could go in several directions too. We know they, they almost lost Fletcher Cox with his contract situation. So I wonder if they'd be tempted to go defensive tackle. Um, I'm actually going to have them drafting a little bit ahead of the game. We know that it's only a matter of time before Jason Kelsey moves on as their center of the last 10 plus years. And I'm going to have them pick up um, who many would call the best interior offensive lineman in the draft, Tyler Linderbaum, and just say, hey, they'll figure it out for this year, whether it's guard or uh, right guard, something like that. I know they have Landon Dickerson as well on the, on the team, but if nothing else, he's going to be a long-term fit at the center position and a, and a darn good one at that for the Eagles, Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa. Yeah, no, yeah, they, they, they picked Landon Dickerson last year, but he's been playing some guard for them. And I just think you're right. I think they just need to be aware of of Jason Kelsey retiring because yeah, he's not as soon as you know, I think it'll be a heck of a drop off. You don't want to, you know, you kind of want to be more prepared than just uh, you know throwing anybody in there. So Chargers that pick 17, they're an interesting team, man. I feel like they could go a lot of different directions. They're a team I think Jamison Williams has been popularly mocked to. Thankfully, he didn't fall there because I would not want them to have Jamison Williams. Uh, so shout out you for picking him early, but. You know, this is where I think the Chargers could really address something that has not been very good for them, and that is the linebacker position. I know they picked Kenneth Murray a couple of years ago. I don't think he's really been, uh, you know, what maybe they hoped he would be. They get Devin Lloyd here, the Utah linebacker. I just think they have they have pieces in their front front. They have pieces in their secondary. I just feel like they could really use a better player at the linebacker position. And I think Devin Lloyd. It seems like he's going to be the first linebacker taken. I just think it makes sense that the Chargers get the best linebacker in the class. That would be one that would um, – I don't know. I don't know if I'd feel good about that with them being in the division. They would definitely be getting better. Yeah. Now we are transitioning to the Saints. Uh, their top need is probably wide receiver. And with what happened these last couple of years with Michael Thomas, he's been you know basically on the shelf completely with injuries, lower body injuries. That's where I think they go here. They need to get faster, give Jameis Winston an explosive threat down the field. Uh, and that's where we go to one of the draft's fastest wideouts, Chris Olave out of Ohio State. Maybe a little higher than some are expecting, but not that much. I think he's a first-round pick all day. Uh, so the Saints are going to go with Olave, Ohio State burner, who can take the top off against uh, probably any, any defense that he's going to see. Yeah, I was tempted to go Olave for the Chargers, uh, but it was just it's one of those things where I think some of these teams are are gonna, you know, depending on the team, I think the Chargers are a team that understand maybe uh the analytics of it in terms of you can find a receiver later. Um, I think linebacker is actually probably one of those positions too. It's probably not a good argument, but uh they'll find a receiver later. I think the Chargers are gonna come away in the draft with a receiver that's gonna contribute for them, whether it's the first or second round. Eagles pick number 19. You know, they, they picked Tyler Lindebaum earlier. They picked uh, Trent McDuffie as well. So they've addressed those, those two positions. But I do think something you mentioned earlier makes a lot of sense. And I do think Devontae Wyatt, if you talk about a comparison and as an NFL pro, uh, pro, Fletcher Cox is actually probably a pretty good comparison for the type of player he is. Someone that can be a run stuffer, has that big mass, but also can penetrate and be that three-tech, you know, flying in the backfield. Kind of has the best of both worlds there. Devontae Wyatt goes to Philly and, and boosts their defensive line. Now we are off to pick 20, Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they would maybe like to go up and get a quarterback this year, um, but the guy they wanted is gone. I think they really want 
Malik Willis. And so what they're going to do, they're going to do the best they can to put things around Mitch Trubisky and make it work this season. And that's going to involve taking an offensive tackle. So I have them taking the really physical uh, Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa, Northern Iowa, probably a little high for me. Uh, I, I don't think he is a 20th overall player in the class, but their offensive line has been a mess the last two seasons. And so it's going to be a choice that you're going to have a hard time pushing back against, especially when Trubisky is the guy leading your offense. He, he needs protection if it's going to work out. Yeah, Penning is one of those highlight reel prospects for sure. I mean, it. I, I agree with you. I he's get, he's going to go higher than I would feel comfortable necessarily picking him, but at the same time, he he has the the ceiling to where yeah, he, he probably does deserve to go that high ceiling wise because he is a nasty dude. And yeah, I do think he 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 combines it with some quick feet. You know, when I watched him, I actually was pretty impressed with him. He still is only the fifth rated offensive tackle for me in the class, but. uh I think I think he's got a lot of a very high ceiling. So, Patriots at pick twenty one though. This is obviously a big pick in the AFC. Patriots kind of in the same, not the same position as the Chiefs, obviously, but like everyone else in the AFC did a lot this offseason. I feel like the Patriots are one team that really didn't, and they're kind of you know behind the ball in terms of trying to get uh, more players, you know, and and just be a better team. But you know they don't have J.C. Jackson anymore. They don't have Stephon Gilmore anymore. I think naturally an easy fit here is Andrew Booth Jr., the Clemson cornerback. I did hear that he has sports hernia surgery early, uh, you know, recently. So I don't know that might, uh, you know, slip make him slip in the draft a little bit. But at the same time, he's a guy that we've I've seen, you know, maybe a little earlier than this too. So this could be him slipping to 21. But he's a really good player. I I, I it's not a guy I've, I've looked into too in depth, but. Uh, he's a very highly touted prospect for sure. Yeah, Patriots definitely have gotten worse like the Chiefs have so far. And um, I don't know, different than the Chiefs, where I think they have enough picks to really make up ground. I don't know that the Patriots can, but that's a good pick. That's a player who, if he ended up in Kansas City, I think we'd be really excited. Uh, so now it's Green Bay. Green Bay, uh, they need, well, they need help at positions like the Chiefs do. Wide receiver, edge, okay, these are kind of, their top needs and I am going to have them going with a wide receiver. I think that Aaron Rodgers, he just lost Devonte Adams. He's going to kind of bang the table. Um, and with him being under contract for several years now, they need to keep him happy. So we are going to take Drake London, the wide receiver out of USC, big body, a little different than Devonte, but Aaron's used to throw into these big targets, these long armed frames. And so London should fit right in in green Bay. Yep. No, I think that's a good pick there. Green Bay, you know, it, it is a funny kind of posi- uh, position that the Chiefs and the Packers are in. They're they're probably going to be picking each other's players or guys that they, you know, I guess the Packers are ahead of the Chiefs, so it'd be the, really the Packers picking players the Chiefs want. Maybe the Chiefs having to leapfrog them at 22 and 28 because you're right. They have very similar needs with their first few picks. So Cardinals here at 23. This is kind of a tough one. I, You know, they're a team that they want to compete right now, right? They're they're in win now mode with Kyler Murray on his rookie deal still, um, and so they need to they need to get as good as possible and and you know not really looking too long term, maybe just short term. And so it is tempting to go with the receiver here. I think the Cardinals could add to their receiving core. They lost AJ Green this offseason. They could also add to their defense. Man, it is tough. This one is coming down to the wire for me. But you know what? I will give them Daxton Hill, the Michigan safety. I think they could use a little more versatility in the secondary. He's a guy that can play cornerback and safety for you, um, at least slot cornerback. That's what he played in college a lot of the time. 
He's a guy that the Chiefs could use definitely with that versatility. But I think the Cardinals, they have playmakers in their secondary, but they need a few more, and uh, and and that's what they're going to get with uh, Dax and Hill. Like that one, Dax coming off quicker than the Chiefs can uh, make a move on. I think he's still in, in the picture for them possibly. So now we come up to everybody's favorite team, Dallas Cowboys, uh, pick number 24. I thought about going the wide receiver, Traylon Burks, out of Arkansas. You know, Jerry's a Jerry Jones, that is. He's an Arkansas guy. Um, I could see them trying to kind of replace what they lost with Amari Cooper leaving. But I am going to have them taking the type of swing that we've seen them do before. And, and maybe this is crazy because I know they're in win now mode, but uh, I'm going to have them taking David Ajabo. Uh, being the ones who go ahead and say, okay, we pick late in the draft quite quite often, or we expect to, let's get an edge, a position they always invest in, uh, someone who could eventually be a top of the NFL type of pass rusher. So Ajaibo comes off earlier than I think most are expecting here, uh, but I could definitely see wide receiver too with the Dallas Cowboys. No, I think it's pretty realistic when you I, – I think we are getting a little too comfortable with just saying, all right, Ojabo will be there in the first round. Let's just take him. Because um, I'm very excited about the prospects of taking Ojabo because you're right. I think what you just said about the Cowboys is the same about the Chiefs. You're not going to be picking here very often. You're getting an, a guy that was is not supposed to be there. It's supposed to be picked way higher than this. Um, so you might as well take it. I do think they might have to trade up still a little bit for him in that range. So I like – and the Cowboys definitely need um, more help with, you know, their young edge rushers. I think they was, they lost Randy Gregory, obviously. They could use a little more juice there. So, Bills are at 25. They're definitely a team I'm glad Ojabo didn't get to. But this is a fit that I really don't like because I'm a Chiefs fan. But it makes a lot of sense. And the Bills are going to get a lot better when they draft Jahan Dotson from Penn State here, the wide receiver. Uh, you know, we we hear rumors. Was has Cole Beasley been officially released? I can't remember honestly, at the top of my head. Or is it just a rumor? Has no, he, he was he was released, and then they okay. signed uh, Jamison Crowder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, either way, Jahan Dawson is that guy that uh, you know plays slot or Z. I think he could be an outside receiver as well at the at the at the next level. And you know, I think the Bills understand. Uh, you know how the, today's NFL goes. Let's just get a lot of weapons, and we have the quarterback. And Jahan Dotson is definitely going to make, uh, you know, is going to make the most of Allen's throws. I just think he creates separation. He's a big play threat. So, yeah, not a huge fan of that as a Chiefs fan, but hey, that's how it goes. It's a good pick by the Bills. Yeah, that would set the stage for them. I think they're already set to to have their best run possibly um, in several years. But okay, here we go. Tennessee pick twenty six. They are going to, you know, they they brought in Robert Woods. Um, via trade, an upgrade over what they had with Julio Jones last year, but I don't think they're done yet. I'm not saying they're going to trade A.J. Brown. I think they'd be crazy if they did, but it's possible, and so they're going to insulate against that, add their number three receiver who could become a number one, number two, and that's going to be Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. I just think he fits their style. The, the physical kind of does a little bit of everything. I think they would find ways to just – let him, you know, get downhill and and get the ball in his hands and be a punisher as a ball carrier. So Traylon Burks to Tennessee at pick 26 is what I've got. Yeah, Burks fits very well in their offense. That's actually a great fit. And if, if he's there, I, I, I could definitely see Tennessee, uh, you know, being being very uh, hard pressed uh, to to pass on him. So 
Buccaneers at 27. This is an interesting pick. I think a lot of people thought they could go quarterback and then Brady comes back. And so now they're in win now mode again. So you want to get somebody that can contribute right away. You know, they did lose some help on the interior offensive line in the off season. And so I think Zion Johnson's a natural fit here. I really like him. I think he's going to be a, a starting guard in the NFL for sure. Um, he could definitely play some center too. And so I think the Buccaneers get lucky again. They picked Tristan Wirfs a few years ago. I think Zion Johnson's going to have a similar impact to where he could start right away and, and be a really good player. We're going to hate the Buccaneers for another year <laughs> at least. So, yeah. At least. There's there's that one. Um, I, I have Green Bay up again, 28. They like the Chiefs, two picks in the in the 20s, 30 range. Um, this time they went wide receiver with Drake London. This time we're going edge, another big need now that Zadarius Smith is gone. The player I just wrote a draft profile on, it'll be out probably uh, within the next couple of days if you're listening to this. And that's Boye Mafe out of Minnesota. I think he's just a scheme fit, you know, more of a pass rusher, pure pass rusher, doesn't defend the run the best, can be kind of a more of a 3-4 outside linebacker type, which is what Zadarius and Preston Smith were. And, of course, Rashawn Gary's there. Um, so they're going to have to get creative in how they use him. Because uh, they do have a couple of guys already uh, it, with, with Gary and Preston Smith, but we know you can't ever have enough pass rushers, and he's one who has a lot of potential. So, boy, Mafe from Minnesota to Green Bay at twenty-eight. All right, here we go. Pick twenty-nine. Chiefs are on the clock. We are going to be looking at uh, you know we talk about edge and receiver. Obviously, I think one guy I see right away and, and think I want to take is George Karloftis, the Purdue edge. I know he's not the most exciting player. I do think he's gotten to the point where uh, I think a lot of people look at him as kind of a, a bland, just like a, a strong dude, a solid dude, but maybe he doesn't have the highest ceiling. I may disagree a little bit. I, you know, he's a raw prospect. He did not play football very long before uh, he got to Purdue, and he's still a young, a really young football player, but you see he has the natural strength, the natural leverage, just understands how to be you know, a, a physical player, and you know, the Chiefs value that at edge. That's the guy I really want to go with. I'm tempted with a, a few other picks, but I'm going to make you make that tough decision because you have pick 30. But I'm going George Karloftis here. Chiefs get an edge that can start right away for them, in my opinion. Maybe you know, maybe not really good reps or anything, but Karloftis can come in and play right away. So I'm going to go George Karloftis. No, I can get behind that for sure. I, I He's kind of being a little downplayed. You know, I, I understand the testing is a piece of the puzzle, but there's something to be said for just being a good football player. And I think Karloftis is that, and this is a fine value at 29. So going to 30 chiefs are up again. Um, and I'm going to take the player who you wrote a draft profile on uh, just this weekend. And that's Kair Elam, the corner out of Florida. Hell yeah. And really, I think they would, pr they probably might go like a Christian Watson here. And if they did, that's fine. But for me, I think, go ahead and go with the corner and just count on there to be, even if it takes trading up from 50, get your receiver with the next pick. Cause I think you're going to get a better receiver then than you are say a corner. Uh, now's the time to strike at the CB position and get Elam who can be their number one for quite a long time. Yeah. I think you kind of like how the receiver board fell in terms of passing on it right now. Sky Moore is still there. Christian Watson is still there. As you mentioned, Obviously, George Pickens is there too, although, you know, it sounds like he might be going higher than this, but we, we do what we can. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you kind of like what options are still there. And, yeah, you're right. Maybe this is where you potentially trade up um, with your other two second round picks to get one, you know, take a swing on one of these receivers. 
Because if you do address cornerback and edge with these two kind of guys, I do feel like you feel really good about those two positions, and you may not need to double up on edge or double up on corner potentially. I would double up on edge for sure, but corner you might just hang tight on after p- making that pick at, for Kyer Elam. But we'll round it out here. 31, the Bengals are up. We don't like talking about the Bengals, but you know they have gotten better this offseason. And, you know, another thing they could do to kind of make them themselves, you know, a, a better football team. You know, offensive line is a popular pick, offensive tackle. Bernard Raymond, somebody that uh, makes sense to me. But they got Lyle Collins now. They have uh, the other side of their the line is Jonah Williams. So I'm going to go ahead and give them Perrion Winfrey, the Oklahoma defensive tackle. Gives them a penetrator from the interior. Uh, they lost Larry Ogunjobi this offseason uh, in free agency. So Winfrey... It's kind of that Chris Jones type where he's that tall guy and may not be a super good asset against the run at first, but he is, he's going to give you some juice. And so I think the Bengals pass rush just got a lot better taking him. They did. And he is also one who it's like, was he really used the way that he should have been at Oklahoma? Exactly. There's questions about that and they're, they're pretty valid, I think. So if you're a team who thinks we are going to use him how he should be, then it could be a lot better than what you normally get at, at pick 30 uh, with Winfrey. All right, last pick of the round, the Lions. Could go quarterback here, but I'm going to stand stand through and say, okay, they're, they're going to use Goff for one more year. Just keep on adding talent for the next quarterback who's going to come in in 2023. And I'm going to take one of your favorite players, Ron uh, Lewis Seen, the safety out of Georgia, who would give them a leader, uh, a good player, but a leader who can kind of – command that room, the defensive back room uh, in Detroit, which, of course, needs an inflection of talent. And uh, seen he's going to be a day one type. I think he's going to play, play at a high level, surprise people, and, and hold down the fort and kind of fit in with that Detroit style of culture they're trying to build with, with tough dudes who can, who can yep. be physical. Totally agree that he fits their culture. I love seeing – I'm definitely – Definitely someone that, you know, if the Chiefs do go safety in the first round, I think he would be my favorite one of the bunch. But I definitely, like this draft fell out, we had the chance to pick safety. But I think we really did a good job um, doing the valuable pick here. I think, like I said, Karloftis, maybe not the most exciting pick, but he's definitely increasing the floor of your edge room. And I do think there is room a little more than we give him credit for to become, uh, you know, above average, you know, a a good starter. He's got to project that for sure. And Kyrie Elam, your pick. I, I, like I said, I wrote him this off this weekend. Definitely, you kind of just his build reminds me of Charvarius Ward. Maybe not as lanky, but he's really fast too. And that's not something you could say about Ward. Uh, four through nine speed for Kyrie Elam. So I like this haul we just gave the Chiefs, Brian. How are you feeling about it? You got a grade you can put on it? I don't know. What do you What are you feeling about it? Oh, uh, it it kind of makes me think that trading up is is the move. Because- yeah. The receivers that were there, it was like, and we've mentioned this in some of our behind-the-scenes conversations with uh, other guys with Arrowhead Pride, like there's a scenario, and I think it played out, where the receivers who are worth pick 29 are gone, and then the next guys, they might be worth pick 35, 40, you know, that sort of area, but not really 29 or 30. So, uh, and the same thing with the edges, too. Even though I – I don't think Karloftis is going to be a bad player. I think he could come in and, and be helpful. Um, is he the one that they want? Is he the pass rusher they want? Maybe. 
um, time will tell. Same thing with Elam too. Like I, there are corners who I think scheme fit wise, they might want to say, okay, let's wait until 50 or 62 and get somebody who we just think fits. Maybe it is Martin Emerson. Maybe it is uh, McCreary out of Auburn and then go those other positions, wide receiver edge in the first round. So um, it's not the worst outcome, but I I think grade wise, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a B minus and, it kind of makes me think, yeah, trading up makes a lot of sense, and it's kind of what I expect, having gone through this practice. I'm gonna, say, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna agree with you. I'll say a B. I'll give them a, a little bit more of a bump um, because I do think they have given themselves the Elam pick really does help them in terms of now you can have Legarius Sneed, um, you know, back in a more versatile position. You don't have to rely on him to be the outside corner in nickel, um, you know, because if they pick a corner later, maybe they don't trust him to play right away. Uh, Elam, you're throwing him in right away, even if maybe, you know, he's a first round pick. He's playing corner, you know, he's, he's starting for you. And Karloff is the same way. So I'll say B. Um, yeah, it was a good draft. I, I, I enjoyed that, Brian. It was a good time going through 1 through 32. Um, I, I like how the board fell, I think, in terms of how they could do in the second round. We mentioned some of the receivers, Watson Moore, um, but other players too. So a uh, guy like Jaquan Briskers there, if they still want to address the safety position. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped, man. It's draft season, it is in full force. We just broke it all down for you. Long pod, but, you know, that's what we do here on the AP Podcast Network. We love talking to you about the Chiefs. So please uh, rate and review five stars if you would on whatever podcast channel you listen to. Getting out of here before we go crazy. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it.